Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Saywood, part of the Missed Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. I'm Spun as the host and producer of Missed Apex Podcast. We're an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined in the shed all the way from that there Austria by Joe Saywood. How's it going, Joe? Have you unmuted me? Yes, I've unmuted you. you. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. If you're going to um, reference every technical error I've made in the past 43 episodes with you, Joe, we're going to be here a long time, but not quite as long as you're going to be spent with a stick up your nose getting tested for viruses. <laughs> yeah, well, that's certainly been um, part of life. I've uh, had two and I'm due one tomorrow. So they're not fun but they are an essential element in making sure that Formula One is safe. Uh, We're in major league overkill here, but I understand why we are. Um, The the media center, uh, you could go up in one lift and go down in the other. We had a one-way system to go to the loo um, and uh, socially distanced. We were all two meters apart. I say all, there are only 22 of us. Um, And if it comes to inclusion, I think Formula One failed massively in the Austrian press room as we had 21 men and one woman. Ooh. And that was it. So, and we weren't allowed out. Uh, well, we were allowed out to leave, but we weren't allowed to go across to the paddock uh, and do things like that. We, did, we weren't allowed to meet anyone from the paddock. And we've actually signed contracts to say we wouldn't meet people from the paddock. So there you are. So even if you were invited to a soiree in the Mercedes motorhome, you would have said no. I'm a stickler for a rule. Well, there is no Mercedes motorhome here, okay. first of all. <laughs> Secondly, they wouldn't have invited anybody because they're not allowed to. And third of all, I wouldn't have gone because I'm not allowed to. So, um, you know, you are going to inevitably, outside in, in the real world in Austria, no one's wearing any masks or anything. Um, this is just uh, a hysteria 
in the region has had very low levels. And, and basically, life is going on as normal. I was quite shocked by that when I first arrived because I, in yeah. France, it's a bit different. Um, Britain, I'm sure it's very different. And uh, Germany, in the hotels, everything was masked up. Uh, hotels and restaurants so coming here and finding people in in hotels restaurants bars um not masked is, is quite a shock to the system but well, the weird thing is that you've got this you know you've got the inside the paddock sorry inside the formula one circuit um not inside the paddock um where everything is massively uh structured and securitized and outside where life goes on there is an inevitability that you will in the course of the next uh, few days we're going to bump into each other in the villages around here there are 2000 formula one people <laughs> living in a in a fairly small agricultural community so the chances of us all staying apart forever um <laughs> and we have to you know, this... we do have to eat as well that's the other thing i mean it was good over the weekend red bull did a terrific job feeding us we didn't actually have to go out um the only other thing is of course around here the diet consists entirely of schnitzels um <laughs> and so after the first 36 schnitzels one gets a little bored with it but um i've been going to the local supermarket and buying um healthy food which is uh, scary but you know it's kind of dull, <laughs> dull, dull sitting in your hotel room eating healthy food but there you are i heard all i heard there was caveat 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 i will eventually accidentally bump into team bosses and interview them here's me getting my excuses in first that's no, why no, I, no, heard Joe. I, I, I won't <laughs> accidentally bump into any team bosses i fear because the kind of places i hang out are not where the team bosses hang out although although if princess anne has been staying in the gas i'm staying in at some point in the past um it's always possible that toto will turn up and check in nah nah this is, you know, this has got chickens, dogs, and church bells. Um, Formula One uh, accommodations don't usually have that. You know, it's all about ice creams, caviar, swimming pools, all that sort of luck. And my guest house doesn't have that, so you know, it's nice. I always stay here. And the man, the man who owns it, waved the flag at the first Austrian Austrian Grand Prix in at the Osterreich Ring in 1970, and no keeps way. reminding me of it. <laughs> Every but he morning. is 143 years old now. Um, but he does, he does like telling the story. The walls in the in the guest house are full of photographs of all the stars who stayed here in an age before it had fancy hotels in this neighbourhood. But Red Bull eventually had to buy a bunch of hotels and castles to house people up here because the the nearest decent hotel I don't mean that nastily, but it's true is forty five minutes away in Graz. So. Um, Red Bull bought up a bunch of hotels near the circuit. And so, you know, there are, there are castles and things where Formula One types can stay and feel like they're Formula One types. The rest of us just have to make do. Looking at the, the overhead shots of the track, you realise quite how isolated it is. It sort of seems like it's just this oasis of motorsport almost at the top of a mountain. Yeah, well, it, it, to be quite honest, an awful lot of racing circuits are like that, which right now with the COVID uh, pandemic is actually a good thing because we can you know you can be shut down put up the walls no one can get in um and i did i did have a sort of tour around the outside of the circuit on i think it was friday night just to see how secure it was um and you know the whole thing is fenced in and there are there are people on the on the fences all the way around um so yeah it was very secure but, you know, Formula One has got to get it right if they want to have confidence 
from governments in the future. Yeah. We can go other places. We just can't afford to make mistakes. So I think this is this is the best place to start because it's relatively easy. I think next week in Budapest, when we're near a city, is going to be more complicated. Although the Hungaro ring is out in the in the wilds and can be locked down in much the same way as here, um, but we still have you know, we still have to get over the fact that it's a big city, and we are inevitably going to bump into people so, without masks, probably. So we do have a limited chat room with us today, Joe, because we weren't sure how your internet was going to hold up. We didn't uh, put it out to all our subscribers, but we have got a handful of our patrons in here who are willing to weather any internet storm. So far, so good. Darren uh, suggests that your accidental meetings might feature in your green notebook, thus like an Alan Bennett play. I was deliberating over a slice of Battenberg when Toto wandered in. So that's our prediction for your next green well, notebook. Well, if you... The Green Notebook came out about <laughs> 10 minutes ago, and there is a story about Toto in there. Come on, then. As I, as I sent him an email the other day, thinking, well, I, I'll, I'll just do – because I get my stories by lurking in the paddock. I don't sit in the press and wait for it yeah. to arrive. And that was, of course – there are about four or five people like me who do that. Um, and that's the problem because we had no access. Therefore, it's difficult. So I thought, well, I'll try it electronically, and I, and I sent various messages to people I wanted to talk to. Toto replied saying, um, go away, leave us alone. We're quite happy without doing this. <laughs> and a happy, smiley face, um, wow. uh, w- waving his phone in the air and showing my email to him. Um, and so I replied to him that he was looking old and I received a suitable um, single, digit, single <laughs> digit response from him. Um, Fantastic. Which is, you know, it, it's fun. Um, but it is a problem to some extent. I mean, I have had conversations by various means, by telephones, by, by emails, by texts with the kind of people I need to talk to, but it's not the same. Um, and it does make it much more difficult to, to scoop the world. However, I mean, do the, do the best I can, um, which is all we can do in the circumstances, just keep plowing through. I mean, we've got a fantastic audience uh, of, of listeners for the Inside F1 shows with you, Joe, and uh, they love getting your opinion. And I always lean on that because I'm lazy and I ask them to send us some questions. And uh, Rob Andrews starts off doing my job for me here. Thank you very much, Rob. On Is that Twitter. Rob Andrew who used to play rugby for England? No, it's Rob Andrews because uh, oh, I said okay. his name wrong. Um, unless, Rob Andrews, you are also a fighter pilot who's remarkably quick on a rugby pitch. Are you? You can answer me via email. Having had no access to the paddock all weekend, has Joe managed to do any of his networking since the race finished? You've partially answered that. And how has he found going back to work after actually having a considerable amount of time off? Now, I'm assuming that when they line up their Zoom calls, the teams, uh, except for Racing Point, oh, no, they're not for India anymore, are they? Have Joe Saywood pretty high on their list of people to Zoom? Uh, not really, because I don't do, or, or, traditionally, I don't do these these team gatherings because what's the point? Um the, the answer is because everyone's there, everyone gets the same story, everyone writes the same story, and that means that nobody can differentiate. Um, so I tend not to do them um, in live or on Zoom. Now, uh, you can argue that uh, this is not a smart thing to do, but um, I, I've done some of the ones in, in the, the recent times because I simply have to. But if you want the best news, you've got to go out as a lone wolf and get it. And that takes a lot of time as well. So sitting there just listening to people um, doing their Zooms um, isn't really very helpful. What is totally bizarre about the press room is, of course, it's a very quiet place. There's only 22 journalists in there. And the thing built for 300. 
So <laughs> yeah. um, you never hear the answers. You only hear the questions. It's a Zoom conference. Somebody will suddenly sit up and, and, and ask a question. And you think, oh, that's an interesting question. I wonder what the reply was. And, <laughs> Don't get uh, it. You know, so that is strange. And it kind of sums up the whole weekend, which is it's just lots of questions and no answers. Um, and, you know, the good news is we've had a, we had a terrific race. And, um, and I think we'll have another terrific race because that's the, the kind of track the Red Bull Ring is, is a track where uh, the corners are such that incidents happen. And they have to use the curbs to go quick, so cars break more often. Now, there was a high attrition rate on on uh, Sunday, higher than normal. And some people have put this down to the fact that you know the cars haven't been running forever this year as they usually do, and that's probably a part of it. But I think um, a lot of it's also to do with the fact that it was the first race of the year, so the drivers are keen to make a good impression. Yep. First races often have incidents more than later on in the year. Um, well, like uh, Hamilton and Albon, for example. Yeah, I just think Alex is, uh, it's not necessarily Lewis's fault. Yes, he got punished for it, but Lewis has been responsible for, for twice taking Albon off the podium. And, and you know, just think, come on, give Alex a break, for goodness sake. He deserves it. Um, but it didn't happen. He got, he got punted off. Um, same thing actually happened in the Formula 2 race. Uh, the, the Chinese driver... Wang Yu Zhou, or Zhou, um, known as Zhou in English, folks, um, was on pole by half a second in Formula 2, which is unprecedented, I think. You know, it's very important for Formula 1. If we can have a competitive Chinese driver in the sport, it will be massive. Uh, okay, good. Um, well, okay, look, I'll go to a question from Kevin Payne, Joe, who says, with that reliability you were talking about, does Joe expect the teams to be able to make their cars more reliable in time for the race this weekend because it would be good to have a race without the need for safety cars to see the real pace? Um, I don't think it'll make much difference in a week, basically. I think, you know, they, they do, in my opinion, they use too many safety cars anyway. Um, when there's a need for a safety car with a car in a dangerous position, that's one thing. But sometimes the cars are, are not enormously dangerous where they are located and i think they use a safety car too much um but that's an opinion uh, and i know that michael massey doesn't agree with that opinion but you know he's responsible for safety i'm not so he, he's the one who takes the responsibility and makes the call but uh, can they fix anything up they can if there's anything obvious in the in the in the time they have available they can fix it but you know, there's not a lot you can do ferrari are, are going to be rushing up all kinds of uh, developments to try to make their car faster but I don't really get that because the problem fundamentally is not aerodynamics the problem is that the engines are not as good as they used to be because they're now being run to a spec that the FIA <laughs> is willing to accept okay that might be the right time to jump to Ferrari lots of people asking questions about this Joe and thankfully uh, they they are the ones asking the questions so it, it's not me this is definitely not me asking this Joe but Callum says, may you ask if he's ready to admit Ferrari cheated last year, Callum's words, and possibly in 2018, now that we know that they were 2.7 seconds uh, down on themselves at the same track, as well as their customer teams, you stated that, that publicly traded companies wouldn't risk such a thing. Uh, do you stick with that position, Joe? Well, I think, as we saw the other day with the DAS um, steering, issue 
there are always gray areas in in the sport and therefore you have to be very careful before you say someone's cheating because if you're going into an area where it's not clear uh or your interpretation of the regulations is not the same as everyone else's um then it's not necessarily cheating now uh, one can say where do you draw the line between cheating and um and uh going into gray areas that's that's a difficult definition yeah ultimately um it's only cheating if you get caught because if you're doing it you don't <laughs> get caught it's not cheating and that's the way some of them look at it um others like myself included say well actually no it's not quite like that but i understand their argument um but you know there's a sort of moral point at which you say actually no this is cheating now if you're if you're circumnavigating uh, signals from a regulatory um, controlled unit yeah. that is located in your in your fuel um, flow meter. I would say that it's very very dubious um, way of. I mean, the car, according to the FIA readings, the car will be legal, but does that make it legal? Some people would say yes. Some people say no, and so that's really what we got to. Um, with Ferrari, and in the end, uh, Red Bull forced the issue, and the FIA said, "No, you can't do that." So, which is which is logical. Now, it seems that all the problems at Ferrari came after that. Now, what would that be? You know, okay, yeah. if they were if they were flushing more fuel through the system than before, um, what impacts would it have if there was less fuel going through the system? And fuel is, uh, in a lot of engines, fuel is a coolant. It goes in, it helps cool down um, some of the, the heat that's being wasted. Um, it helps to warm the fuel before combustion. So it works um, a couple of ways. Now, if there is less fuel going in, there is a danger, particularly on these advanced engines like they have in Formula One, which are right up there on the limit, that there are, it's going to be overheating. and um, if that is the case, that would explain why. You, if you look at the qualifying times from this last weekend, um, Mercedes and the others, as usual, went in Q1 to Q2. They they jumped a big jump forward as the engine settings were changed, and it and it ramped it up. Ferrari didn't. the the uh, The gap came down a little bit, four tenths, but there was a gap suddenly of a second. Uh, of on the lap between the only person you can compare is Leclerc because Vettel and Co were knocked out earlier on. All the Ferrari engines uh, prior to yeah. Q3 were knocked out. Now you could say, okay, Q2 a second difference. So what? It was exactly the same in Q3. There was a second difference. So that was a sort of uh, indication that they can't, they obviously can't turn the engine up. It's so sensitive. Um, or it appears to be so sensitive to heat that they can't turn it up. Now, in the races, you're worried about heat over a longer period of time, um, and therefore you can't push as hard. So I think Ferrari's primary problem is is in the engine department, and I think that they're talking a lot about aerodynamics and new body packages to to um, to throw people off the scent, to be honest. Um, so yes. we'll see, but I think they're in trouble. And the other big problem, of course, is that um, the engines – uh, are now frozen for the next 18 months. 
And uh, that means they can't change the architecture of the engines. So that problem could persist. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't paint a good picture. The fact that it's frozen, I think a lot of F1s will, F1 fans will, and Ferrari fans will have their, their head down, temporarily relieved, temporarily relieved, of course, by Leclerc getting that, that second position. Which was down to a great drive by him, but largely down to luck. Yes, um, but that doesn't paper, that's a, you know, it papers over the cracks. But the, um, the, the, the deficit was certainly alarming. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the talk about the aero package. So they were coming out with this line. I think they did a similar thing in Brazil where they said, oh, no, no, we're just running a really high downforce package. Now they've lent on that again and said, no, it's, it's a draggy aero package. It, it's really hard as a fan to not put two and two together and come to the conclusion that they're just down on power and that they never really had a power solution beyond increasing their fuel flow, allegedly. Yeah, I think that's a fair... Uh, if you're looking at it objectively and outside, I think that's a fair way to assess things. Is it true? I don't know. But that is an assessment that makes sense. Um and I think that certainly there's a lot of people who think that's what's happening. Now, obviously, they don't want us to think that. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, Formula One uh, engines don't lose power unless there's a reason for it. Mm. Um, and, you know, the rules haven't changed beyond the, 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 the tweaks that have come. And so clearly one is related to the other. I think it's fair to say that. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we're looking at a situation where Ferrari is, has got problems. Now, can they, can they solve those problems by getting better aero? Well, first of all, you've got to get better aero than Adrian Newey, which is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and second of all, by uh, playing with the aero to get less drag and therefore more speed, you're making the cars much more difficult for the drivers to handle, which, you know, is that, when you have Sebastian Vettel, who is uh, – prone to accidents and now utterly ah. demotivated as well. Um, although, of course, he's not going to say that out loud. Um, he did say that you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't given the choice by Ferrari. In other words, he basically got dumped. Um, and I think he's struggling with that. And I think, we'll, I, I think we will see him struggling with that throughout the year. I can't see why he's going to be particularly motivated um, yeah. to help Ferrari, to be honest, because they just sort of said to him, well, thanks very much. We don't need you anymore. Now, I understand why Ferrari made that decision, um, because he made too many mistakes. And in addition to making too many mistakes, he was, he was too good um, up against Leclerc. It just caused problems. So what they really wanted is that they wanted Valtteri Bottas, and I think they've chosen Carlos Sainz because he is exactly that. I don't see that – I mean, Carlos will challenge – uh, Charles occasionally, I think, but I don't see him as being a consistent um, challenger in the way that Vettel was. And I think he'd be, you know, he's sensible enough to to know that he's there, um, not battling to be team number one. I'm sure, you know, he'll say yeah. he's trying to be team number one and all the rest of it, as as they all do. But you know, it's in his interest not to do that. Uh, in some respects, the only way uh, it'll work is if he does it and achieves it, and, and suddenly Charles finds himself as number two. But um, it's a very difficult balance, and I think what Ferrari decided was that they were never going to get it with Vettel because he was you know, too good to 
to to be a number two, but not good enough to be super number one yeah. because of all the mistakes he made. So it's a difficult call. And I think that came to them also, I mean, to bear in mind as well, because uh, um, Bonotto was asked about this after Vettel came out and said he was dumped because Bonotto had said that you know, Sebastian's our number one choice. So what changed between December when Bonotto said that and whenever it was that Vettel got dumped? And Bonotto said, well, it was the coronavirus. And you will go, what? (laughs) And well, the answer is that the coronavirus changed a lot of things. It changed the the length of the season. We don't even know how long it's going to be. It changed um, the financial situation. It changed the long-term financial situation with the budget caps coming in. It changed a lot of things. And, uh, you know, if you take on Carlos Sainz and you don't have uh, Sebastian Vettel, you're instantly saving probably 20 million. And 20 million that can be used for something else. So um, I think that, you know, what's the level of performance differential between Vettel and Science? Yes, maybe a little bit. We don't know fundamentally in the same kind of cars. But, um, you know, there's a massive saving there. And I think this is something that people don't really understand, which is, you know, a driver is worth what someone will pay for him. But if there's another driver who can do exactly the same job, speaks five languages and costs 30 million less, <laughs> yeah. who are you going to choose? You know, it's, it's very simple. And particularly if there's some financial pressure on you, you're going to choose the bloke who's cheaper. So there will be a movement across all the drivers, I think, um, particularly with young, young drivers coming up as part of schemes to, to bring the salaries down. And I think that uh, that's almost, an, yeah, that's market forces. I think Lewis will be able to demand what he likes up to a point, but market forces are going to push all the other salaries down. I, I sort of want to jump to Vettel's defence slightly, if, if I may, Joe, and just, just see if this you assessment may, might be fair. I, I remember when the Honda was underpowered, you had this, this Red Bull machine that is famed for its uh, aero packages, having to really strip everything back just to make up for that power deficit. And now what we've got with Ferrari, I'm just going to go ahead and assume they're running a massive um, power deficit to Honda and Mercedes. Based on that assumption, the fastest way around a track for them is going to be a, a low downforce setup, which we gather really is the, the the nightmare scenario for Sebastian Vettel. So he would want a car that is planted. They don't have an engine to run that kind of aero package. And now he's suddenly sat there with basically you know a, a Formula Ford trying to keep up with these these great aero packages. And I just think that that is making him look bad and overdrive. He looked really, really scruffy from the onboards in Austria. And I, I'm just feeling for him. And I, I kind of now want to see, just almost just for a scientific sake, just dump him into a Red Bull right now to see what he does with a, a high downforce package. And if the rumours are to be believed, he certainly seems to be talking to Red Bull. No, he's always talking to Red Bull. And Red Bull have... <laughs> No, no, I mean, he, he spent most of his career with, with Christian and, and Helmut. Um, so they're his mates as well. Um, and he's often, you often see him going in and out of Red Bull um, and have done ever since he went to Ferrari. It's nothing new in that, and you shouldn't read anything into it. So they're, not, they're not intending to change their drivers. <laughs> I mean, Albon's doing a, a, a good job. Um, okay, he hasn't, he hasn't delivered on the points just yet, but that's largely down to the fact that Lewis keeps driving into him. Um, Because he would have had two podiums in the last three races otherwise, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, look, everybody is blaming Hamilton, and I'm sure people are going to oh, yell at me. The stewards did, and yeah. that's probably the most important thing. Okay, but, ha- but Hamilton aside, Hamilton is like a uh, an external factor to Alex Albon. So, uh, you know, it's just like if you if you cross a zebra crossing, it was your right of way and someone hits you. Yes, it wasn't your fault, but you're still lying in the hospital bed. You know, is there, mm-hmm. you know, with Albon now, he has he has come a cropper. He's involved in an incident. Both of those incidents, Brazil and this one, were ultimately avoidable, even if they were Hamilton's. No, but he's fault. a racing driver. There's a gap. You go for it. Well, I don't like that. And, and in Brazil, in Brazil, he made the gap, uh, and and Lewis went for it. And in Austria, um, he he made the the gap, and Lewis ran into him. So, you know, the fact is that uh, you can't blame Albon any more than you can blame Lewis, but. When all is said and done, it was Lewis who punted him off. So, you know, in both occasions, you can't argue that. Uh, that's what happened. Lewis hit him and knocked him off. So you know, I think we shouldn't start um, after after one race of the season. We, <laughs> we shouldn't start questioning whether or not Albon's going to be there next year. Red Bull have already said they don't really want Vettel back. And just because he goes and has tea uh, with his old <laughs> mates... So that question uh, was posed by uh, Robin Fisher, uh, who said, is there any indication where Vettel might go? Sorry, Robin, forgot to mention you before we got onto that subject. Um, And have you got any thoughts on Ocon? And I think Robin might be being a bit harsh here, as he seemed underwhelming on his return. I mean, Guy's been out of F1 for 18 months, and this is his first competitive season back. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Listen, he scored points, a decent selection of points after a bad qualifying. Uh, so he kept out of trouble. He moved up the field. Therefore, he did a decent job. Okay, the qualifying wasn't great. But Daniel Ricciardo was gone quite early on. Uh, what, what's interesting is I think the Renault's a better car than it appeared to be yesterday, um, which you'd expect because the McLaren was quite good. I would expect Renault and McLaren to be very similar kinds of performance. Now, uh, there were some reliability issues on uh, Daniel's car. 
and Esteban qualified badly. I don't actually know why he qualified badly. It just yeah. didn't all get, oh, actually, I do know. It just didn't all come together. He didn't get a toe. He didn't do this, didn't do that. So as he gets sharpened up back in the, the groove, I would expect him to be qualifying higher and therefore being in the position to, to do a Lando, if you like. <laughs> do a Lando. Yeah. Yes, well, why not? I mean, you know, we are going to see some strange faces on the podium. I say strange, uh, unusual <laughs> faces on the podium this year behind the two Mercedes. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we've got the two Red Bulls and the two Mercedes, and they fundamentally, those four drivers, I think, will share most of the podiums together. However, there will be incidents where one or the other or two or maybe even three don't make it. And so you've got to look to Perez, you've got to look to... Lando, you got to look to science, you got to look to the two Renault drivers um, of being people who are likely to appear on the podium this year. So uh, we've got a question from, from Alan um, on Twitter. Uh, you're right about the, the fact we're going to see some different faces up. On the one hand, it's good, but here's Alan's take. Imagine there was no Mercedes. Imagine there was no Mercedes. No, then How- Red Bull would be dominant. <laughs> well, there we go. He, this is his question. How competitive would the races be? Force India, McLaren, Red Bull, Ferrari, Renault would all be at the front of the fight. Does he think Mercedes have ruined the sport? They came into F1 with an unfair advantage in the hybrid division and have rolled that on. Well, that's a completely wrong way of looking at it. Sorry. Uh, Hi, Alan. The, 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 the aim of... The aim of coming into Formula One is to win. They're not there to make a good show for everyone to watch. Um, Perhaps they should think more of that, but if that was the case, they wouldn't come in. So they've done a better job than everybody else. That's the truth. Uh, Now, should should they continue to be there? Yes, they should. Is it good? Yes, it is. Why? Because it forces everyone else to work harder to get to try and catch up. You can't blame Mercedes for doing a good job. And you know, prior to that, Red Bull did a job, good job for five years. You can't blame them for doing yeah. it, but they can't keep up with Mercedes. So, you know, over time, uh, these things balance out a little bit more, and, and people are getting closer and closer. Um, and with all the restrictions that are coming in, um, Mercedes's advantage is being eroded a little bit. But the truth of the matter is that Mercedes is just a sensational racing team, and yeah. you just have to accept that. And you know, you, you can't even argue that they're a big manufacturer. It's not fair. Renault is the biggest manufacturer in Formula One, and they can't get it right, or they haven't thus far. So it's not even that. Um, you know, all these big manufacturers have plenty of money if they use it properly. And so I think uh, we, we've, we haven't seen the best of Renault. Red Bull's got virtually unlimited amounts of money. It doesn't make cars as yet. Well, it does, oddly enough. It makes... Bizarrely, it makes Aston Martins, but there you are. <laughs> um, you know, we've got all these teams of all with a high level with car manufacturer kind of money. You know, there's only a couple of teams we have to worry about financially in, in real terms. Um, and even they've got yeah. billionaires behind them or governments behind them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, um, it, it's wrong to, to try and make, Mercedes yeah. into the bad guys because they do a good job. We I, should we, we should respect what they do and applaud it. I think there's a, there's just a difference in N1 F1 fandom compared to a lot of other sports. So in football, if you were a Colchester United fan, congratulations, you're supporting the greatest underrated team of all time. But if you're a Colchester United fan, just because there's a team at the top of the table clear by 12 points, 
you don't get disheartened and stop watching your team. You look at the battles they're fighting. In F1, there's a real big focus on who is winning the race up front. And I know I've said before about the 2013 season, definitely not a Vettel fan, not particularly a Red Bull fan. 2013, they dominated after Silverstone. But I, I really enjoyed that season. I got to watch Lewis Hamilton scrapping in the midfield with loads of great fights with um, Nico Hülkenberg and, and watching those battles. And I, I think, you know, is there a problem that the camera direction and F1 and everything is really so focused at the front that if Mercedes are dominating, uh, that does make it look bad. I, I remember this with, you know, all throughout the years. I remember Michael Schumacher being on camera for 50 laps. Oh, he's doing quality laps. This is amazing to watch. And it wasn't. And there was great scraps all down the field. Well, that's true. But, you know, you need to find the right balance between um, watching people scrapping in the midfield and ignoring the people winning. You can't ignore the people winning because that's why they're there. Um, so yeah. you have to find the correct balance. And and while I understand that some fans want to see uh, Toro Rosso's or whatever they're called this week, fighting out <laughs> with racing points or whatever they're called this week. Yeah. Um, the, the the truth of the matter is that if you suddenly cut to some silly little fight halfway down and miss an overtaking maneuver for the lead, you're not doing the job properly either. So, you know, you've just got to find the right balance. I personally think the balance is pretty good at the moment. Um, they went through a few wobbles. Um, they, they changed around a lot of the broadcasting staff. Um, and I think they went through a few wobbles early on. There was one or two very dubious uh, bits of coverage, I thought. But they seemed to be... Um, like what? Better. Like what, Joe? Oh, I can't remember. But, you know, they'd be cutting things at the wrong time and missing things that were important, you know, which which wouldn't have happened before. Um, so I think it's, it's a matter of... of learning um, what they need to do. And, you know, you can see that uh, if you've been around a bit, if you watch qualifying coverage on TV, um, you know, looking at the time uh, uh, timing screens, you know what you should be looking for. You can see somebody who's about to start a fast lap or in a fast lap, and that should be reflected on the screen. Yeah. But in the past, I know we've seen we've seen situations where they've missed the pole lap completely, uh, which isn't right, you know. So it's it's a tough thing to learn to do. It takes a lot of time to learn exactly what's needed. It takes the right kind of guidance. It takes lots of different things. But um, you know, it's so much better than 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 an awful lot of sports. This is uh, Formula One is, is great entertainment. It's it's very well covered. It's got lots yeah. of good things. But fans always tend to to, to to focus on the bad things. Of, of course. And in their defence, you know, in football, there's a ball to follow. Same in cricket and golf. In F1, there's 20 balls and 20 points well, of action. Well, up, up to a point, that's true. But you see, I, I don't go for this whole football comparison because as has been proved in the past by places like Chelsea, if you pour enough money in, you can take a team that's pretty average and take it up to the front. And, yeah. you know... It's exactly the same in Formula One. It's not guaranteed if you pour a lot of money in that you'll be successful. Look at Toyota being as a good example of that. But if you use your money wisely, hire the right people and do the right things, you will be successful. So I don't think there's a great difference between the two sports um, in terms of the, the power of money. Money no. is important. So, Joe, we've, um, we've, we've sort of descended into a kind of spirit of F1 
chat there, which I love. I think that's brilliant. But I want to use your time to focus in on a, a couple of like pressing points. And mm-hmm. uh, I have to say, it's okay. super cool that we were able to catch you, you know, not at trackside, but while you're there doing your journalistic thing in Austria between a double header. This has been fantastic. Apologies to our YouTube audience if you've had to come and find us on the podcast. We've decided not to put the, the video version out. Uh, hotel internet connections will vary, uh, but we'll try and get to Joe and bring you uh, Joe's words in any way that we can. So um, two questions I want to focus on here. Uh, uh, Tire Squirt on Twitter, good good name. Uh, why is Toto Wolf fed up with Bonotto? He was very aggressive, Joe, when he was talking about Ferrari, saying, you know, Ferrari, oh, they're good people. They're good people, but I've got no time for, for, for Mattia. And uh, I, I know you said that, you know, you had that trite email exchange with Toto Wolf. I'm sure you have other lines of communication you're not sharing. But he no, wasn't no, but, hiding. Well, he wasn't hiding it. No, no, no. But that, that's, you need to understand that it was a joke. That the, the exchange oh, was it? and I, it oh. was a joke. You know, it wasn't. Oh, no, no. Right. Okay. Got you. Yeah. You know, there were lots of happy emojis and smiley faces. <laughs> it was, it was him just winding me up because he could, you know. Yeah. And I was winding him up by saying he looked old. And, and you know, that's what we do. We wind each other up. So, um, I mean, Toto is the best, <laughs> statistically, he's the best team boss in the history of the sport, I think. So we should respect that as well, what he's yeah. done. I think he's fed up with Bonotto because Bonotto uh, does tend to sort of bang on about things. I mean, he should be fed up with Christian too because Christian's always protesting this and protesting that. Uh, and all it is, is is really, you know, yes, they want answers and, and yes, they want things to be fair, but it's also sometimes you know, trying to disrupt things. I mean, the, the protest against... Uh, Hamilton on uh, just before the race, actually, they had the review of yeah. the decisions. Late. And the Red Bull people had found some footage from somewhere. Uh, I don't know why the stewards didn't have that footage originally, but they didn't, um, which apparently proved that Lewis hadn't done what everyone thought he'd done. So he got bounced down the grid. Um, and I guess that's kind of irritating if you're Toto, but that's, you know, when you're at the front, that's what you get. But I think that Ferrari tends to win John. There's a sort of sense of, um, there's a bit of a sense of uh, we're Ferrari and things should be, uh, we should be treated with respect, but they don't necessarily treat others with the same kind of respect. And I think that that is um, a source of trouble sometimes. But fundamentally, you know, it's not that they do it deliberately. It's just in the kind of mentality that exists at Ferrari. You know, we are Ferrari. Don't forget that. We've, We've been, you know, they are going to be some point in the next few weeks and months, they are going to celebrate their 1,000th Grand Prix out of a total of about 1,025 or 26. I can't remember the exact number, which is pretty damn impressive. And, you know, you have to say that they deserve to be respected for having been in the sport and done what they've done. Now, that doesn't give them a free ride to everything, and it shouldn't give them a free ride to everything, and it shouldn't give them any sense of arrogance, but it's a hell of an achievement nonetheless. So we should respect the achievement. We should uh, recognize the fact that they are the team with the most fans in the world. But that doesn't mean that we should let them win races or whatever. You know, it's and I think that obviously Bonotto has been winding up uh, Toto the wrong way. Toto is generally pretty calm and laid back about things. You see it occasionally. He'll get a a question from one of the Fleet Street boys and you can just see Toto wants to actually go and punch this bloke. But he, <laughs> he knows that he can't do that because it's not corporate. Uh, and but you know, so there's a sort of level of 
coldness about his response. So you can see, if it's written down, you read the words, you don't see it in the words, but you can see it in the eyes. I suppose that's the way of putting it. I think, uh, it was and just, I think, yeah. I think that that's, you know, it's, it's just, it's part of the territory of being so successful. You get, you know, you get to have to deal with all that stuff. I think it's just stark how personal and directed it was at, at the individual uh, of Benotto. I think that was the only reason why people went, oh, that's... Uh... Well, I think also, but bear in mind, there is another element to it, which is that uh, right through last year, Ferrari and Mercedes were sticking together. We're going to fight this, this. We're gonna... and, and Ferrari caved in on all the negotiations at the end. They just said, oh, no, we're, gonna, we're just going to go uh, with this uh-huh. in the interests of the sport. So I think that there was a level of which sort of... Uh, Toto felt we've been let down by Ferrari in that respect, um, but he hasn't. He hasn't actually voiced that publicly, um, and and I think that there's lots of things where you know I must admit, <laughs> Bonotto. Uh, I had high hopes for Bonotto when he came, and thus far, you know, we're going to be much more open in communication, etc., etc., etc. To be quite honest, I have less of a relationship with Bonotto than I had with uh, Arriva Bene or with certainly with Domenicali and even with uh, Matteucci, who was only there for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, you could actually have, you know, you could have meaningful conversations with them. With Bonotto, I don't think I've had a meaningful conversation oh. yet. Hmm. Oh, well. There you are. There you are. <laughs> oh, it's just, I don't know, he, he, does, he seems very sort of, Harmless, like, and and yet this. Yeah, but to be harmless this... doesn't make a good team boss. No, <laughs> but this is... no, no. I, I'm not saying he's he's done anything wrong. He hasn't been rude, or he hasn't done anything. It's just that you just don't feel yeah. that um, they want to say anything. <laughs> and and you know, and as a journalist, you what you want is people to say things, even if it's not for quoting. Just to you know, you don't want people <clears throat> who say nothing or try to lead you up the garden path the wrong way. I'm not saying that's the case in, in this thing, but. I generally, anyone who tries to lead me up the garden path, I'm very, very wary of them after they do that. And people who clearly don't want to say anything um, are basically a waste of my time. (laughs) I've got a limited amount of time to do things. And if they're not going to be helpful, you know, I'll be fair to them, but I'm not going to stand around for five hours waiting to talk to somebody if they clearly walk past you three times already. You know, it's just pointless. Um, and that's, you know, people seem to think that the journalists have got all the time in the world to stand around and, and, and wait for them. And, and, and the PR is just to say, well, he's only a journalist who cares kind of approach. Um, what? but you know, it, it's, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Well, maybe they can do their, they're talking on the track and, uh, Tim, well, they like... can't do their talking on the track quite clearly. Well, I know, but Tim would like to know, do you think Ferrari's upgrade package, cause they've been talking about one is big enough to pull them out of the midfield this weekend at the Grosser Prix der Steiermark, which I believe... No. Next question. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they said that there's an upgrade coming in Hungary, and then they've gone, whoa, well, it might be, it might be here in uh, well, the second they, race. If they have a, a big engine in the back, maybe, but they're not going to do that because they'll get caught. Um, so the fact is they have a serious, as we've discussed earlier on, they have a serious engine problem that is not fixable in the immediate future. Okay. In my in my opinion. No, and I and I agree with you. But what what uh, me and the the panel were sort of arguing about on on Saturday after the practice sessions, you know, there was this chance. Well, you know, don't judge Ferrari too quickly. Maybe they're sandbagging. But there's this really weird mentality at Ferrari where they always puff out their chests, 
even even when they know they're going to get found out, that they they always seem to always put on the most positive spin, and then and then well, let's. There's down. nothing wrong with putting a positive spin on things. It's because it's usually obvious that you're just doing that. Oh. But but you know the fact is, living as a Ferrari team principal or senior management is not an easy thing to do. You know, I was thinking on Sunday after the race uh, here. I was thinking, God, what's it going to be like in the Italian papers tomorrow for Ferrari? And yeah. luckily for them, you know, Charles had come through and, and got second, which is, as you said early on, papering over the cracks. But we won't be seeing that very often. And I thought Charles did a terrific job. Um, but there were lots of things that happened and made that possible, including safety cars, that wouldn't normally have happened. The Ferrari was off the pace. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So they managed to, and it's a bit like Lando, you know, they managed to get to the podium and therefore everyone forgets how it was achieved. <laughs> but, you know, the fact is that in a normal race without uh, as many incidents and without, um, uh, with normal levels of performance, we are going to see Mercedes-Benz and Red Bull and very few others. Now, there's always going to be a percentage of incidents in racing. And so probably five or six times this year, we'll have someone else different on the podium. Yeah. Um, particularly if Max collides with Valtteri or whatever, you know. Um, it's possible we'll see another winner too. But that doesn't mean it'll be Ferrari. You know, it could be. If the front four guys wipe each other out, <laughs> it could easily be a McLaren victory or a... Or a Shock, horror racing point victory or <laughs> a Renault victory. And it could be a Ferrari victory too, but we're talking about a very small likelihood of that happening uh, in terms of Ferrari, because I don't think Ferrari is as competitive as those others. Before I let you go, Joe, just staying with, uh, with the Italian nation for just, for just a moment. Um, Christopher's asking about uh, Alfa Romeo this year. Last year, they qualified seventh and eighth this year, 18th and 19th in the back of the grid does kind of look a little bit different. We've got Haas, as I predicted, and I think a lot of people did, planted near the foot. Williams sort of threatening to get off that bottom. But yeah, Alfa Romeo have just been sucked backwards, haven't they? Okay, well, Alfa Romeo and Haas have one thing in common. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Ferrari power. That's Ferrari power. And that's the problem. Has Williams moved forward? Have the others moved back? You know, this is this is where you have to. It's very difficult to say. Yes, I mean Williams have, have done a better car than they had, uh, and the drivers say as much. Or at least George, who has the the comparison, says as much. So you know, <clears throat> fundamentally, they've all moved back, and they can't be happy about it. By the way, now, they're paying lots of money for their engine supply, and if their engine supply means they're suddenly at the back, they're not happy bunnies. So I think we'll see a, a certain amount of pushing and shoving in respect of the customer engine supplies um, as well in, in, in the future, immediate future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but what can you do if they're in that situation? They're in that situation. Uh, but I, I don't really – it's very hard after the one race to say that, you know, this is the actual pecking order. I, I think that the, the Sauber team effectively called Alfa Romeo, though it is – is a team that's not particularly, um, I don't know. I just don't think it's, 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 it doesn't have that sort of air of, of, uh, driving forwards. I think it has to do with leadership yeah. probably more than anything else, leadership, ownership, whatever <laughs> it is that it, it's like, uh, it's like 
just some teams just seem to be drifting along um, and they need someone to pick it up and, and shove it forwards. And you know, I think that may be what's lacking there. Um, but, you know, it can't be good for an Alfa Romeo sponsorship in the future to have their cars at the back. Uh, in fact, I, I've long been convinced that Alfa Romeo sponsorship will come to an end when it when it comes to an end because are they really selling any Alphas as a result of the Formula One program? They can't. I mean, Alphas doing pretty badly already. Yeah. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, you know, on the other hand, we, we've got Aston Martin coming in next year, which is going to be Racing Point by another name. Um, so, you know, manufacturers come and go in Formula One. If they do it right, uh, they get the benefits. If they do it wrong, they leave. And that's just where we're at now. It's just amazing that we've had such an, an intrigue an intrigueful, that's definitely not the word, start to the season and everything's been shuffled around. You know, it's definitely, we've not lined up in the same order as, as 2019 and it's not business as usual. Uh, there's loads of things going on. We've got a, a 2016 style teammate dynamic possibly on at Mercedes. You know, this could be the fight. You know, Bottas has got a chance if the rest of the field are further behind because as we saw with Rosberg, it's basically seven points per race. And if one of them has a bad race, they can effectively lose four points worth of wins. So, you know, we've got we've got a ton to report on. And it's so great to be able to catch up with you in the Austrian hills. Uh, well, I will see what happens. You know, Lewis has a tendency to start slowly in the season and build up and get he better does. and better, yeah. which we've seen in a number of years. I'd still rate Lewis higher than Valtteri, as much as Valtteri, is a is a great racing driver. He's not Lewis Hamilton. So I think um, we'll see how it all pans out. But I think we're certainly in for an interesting, certainly for the next two months, and who knows what happens after that. But um, we'll see uh, round two, the Styrian Grand Prix, or the Große Preis von Steiermacht, as they say over here. That's exactly how I pronounced it as well. Sort of, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see on Sunday. I don't know what the weather's going to do. It was pissing with rain last night here. So, Oh, um, yeah, that'll be good. Uh, it's, it's a sunny day today, but there's, you know, it, it turns here. Sometimes it can turn quite quickly. So we'll see. Yesterday was stinking hot and a big storm throughout most of the evening. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Well, then finally, Joe, finally, quick question from Michael Distelhoff. Uh, curious if Joe or any F1 journos, now that they're struggling to do their job in their usual way, being restricted with uh, geographic restrictions, team bubbles, and the way you in interview people, uh, do you compare your current situation to the usual online journalists, the ones you're so fond of, um, and, and sort of do you see it from a more kind of limited point of view? Has that softened your view of, of the work that the online journalists do? No. Okay. I, I guess that would be the answer. Well, but because basically if they want to be proper Formula One journalists, they need to get off their butts and go to the races and make it happen. That's what, that's what we all did. We are, we're here for a reason. We made it happen. Uh, you might say it's tough to do. Yes, it is tough to do. But if you want to be a proper Formula One journalist, do it. There are youngsters here who are doing it now. So, you know, I, I just – I have no time for people who who um, who are basically – uh, using everyone else's work or just using the same that everyone else has. But fundamentally, they're using other people's work as well because they get any scoops, they, 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 they hoover up as well. And uh, If they credit them, fair enough, but most of them or a lot of them don't credit where the original sources were from. So, you know, I just think um, you either do the job yeah. properly or you don't do it. And yes, it's tough now, but I'm going to be at every race I can be. 
And, you know, I don't know how many that will be, but that won't be from choice that I'm staying home. It won't be no. to save money from staying home. I'm, I will be at every race I can be at, unless the FIA says, no, you can't go, I will be going. Now, you know, who knows? If I get to the Hungarian border, they might say no. But um, you have to live with restrictions that are bigger than you. Yeah. But if you want to do it, get out and do it. <laughs> Michael, I think you got exactly the, the, the answer you most likely expected. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them, but we are most definitely approaching Austrian lunchtime hard, Joe. So before you go and enjoy your, your schnitzel and bratwurst, uh, where can people find all your stuff? And I'm assuming the green notebook is going to be as filled as ever. Well, a green notebook is on is on joeblogsf1.com. And uh, yeah, basically it's there's a bit of Twitter feed going on at Joe Sayward and, uh, and we have Grand Prix Plus magazine, of course. And if you're really into it, you can pay the money and get the in, inside a newsletter. But if you go to uh, flatoutpublishing.com, all the stuff is there. So you can read all about who this idiot Joe Sayward is. <laughs> Fantastic. We are going to catch up with Joe Sayward anytime we can so that Mist Apex can uh, secondarily, uh, secondhand, bring you as close as we can to the paddock and certainly as close as Joe can go. Uh, this was Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. You can follow the show at Mist Apex F1 on Twitter. Find us on Facebook and follow me, if you so wish, at Spanners Ready. Until we see you next, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1. Missed Apex Podcast is a listener-supported show. That's why we're able to take the time to catch up with Joe whenever we can, especially this season, when he's going to be on the road all the time. If you want to support Missed Apex, you can. Join our patrons at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We'll garnish you with an ad-free feed, extra patron-only shows, and you'll be invited to join us in our patron Slack forum. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex or click the link in the show notes on your podcast player.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.